friends. This is Stephen Brun Gortez. Welcome to the Why the F Not podcast. This is episode 64. 64, I believe. Oh, gosh. How about I don't have to edit this out and be like, oh, it's 64. No, no, it's 64. I didn't check. I'm going off pure memory. This is pure adrenaline, pure coffee caffeinated adrenaline. Um, all right, y'all. Today, I had a lovely, lovely conversation today with uh, with a beautiful spirit friend of mine, uh, Lorenzo Edwards. Lorenzo Edwards is a dancer, model, um, entrepreneur, just uh, the kind of the kind of person you meet and you're like, shit, all right, I'm inspired. Let's do this. Uh, me and uh, Lorenzo were able to connect even though he's all the way in la ciudad in mexico he's been there for about eight months he'll tell you all about that soon uh but yeah uh, i hope you enjoy the show uh sit back relax and enjoy the why the if not podcast with lorenzo edwards <sighs> good morning good morning good morning it's a night we're recording early in the morning and uh for the episode today i usually record around in the afternoon i like to have you know my morning and then start recording but today is a, is a special day because today i have a, a a friend as a guest today a sweet friend of mine not from college but we met uh playing <laughs> pretend at the la opera stage uh, i would love to yes. welcome in my friend lorenzo edwards Lorenzo, you beautiful spirit, you. Thank you for being on the show. How are you? I am doing amazing, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. I'm excited. I got, you know, I got a, a slightly lit skis in the morning right now. I got my coffee. I'm in a, you know, I'm in a good energy space right now. I'm excited to to catch up with you, man. And do you got to tell me more about those <laughs> earthquakes, dude. Like those. Oh, so, uh, okay. yeah, the earthquakes. In Mexico. You're, you're in La Ciudad de Mexico right now? Sí, es la ciudad de México. Yo vivo aquí por ocho meses ahora. Y, you know, I had breakfast this morning. We have a cook in our home, and she makes us three meals a day. And she made us a really beautiful breakfast this morning. And I'm having my coffee as well with some tea from my garden as well. Because I like to have both, a little bit of coffee bean, a little, little bit of herbs. Mm. But yeah, the earthquakes are very casual. Um, it's like five times a day we have like really like actual seismic activity. But, you know, you get used to it. There's so much beauty in this city. Um, there's, I love the culture. I love the food. I love the people. Honestly, living here and being immersed in... Mexican culture has been one of the greatest blessings of my life, actually. So much to unpack there, man. So for those that don't know, I want to just give people a little, a little, little back, backstory for you. So you, okay, so you're living in Ciudad de Mexico right now. By the way, you're Spanish. Did you speak Spanish prior to moving to Mexico? I did not speak Spanish prior to moving to Mexico. Pero ahorita... Mi español es mucho mejor. Está bueno. Ay, se te oye tan bonito. No, que estoy bueno. Yes, amigo. <laughs> Only eight months, dude. You sound great. I mean, like, bro, like here in like the States, people take it so for granted, like that everyone speaks English and they get so like weirded out when someone has an accent or when someone's like learning the language. And it's like, yeah, so people travel countries, you know, and they learn different languages. And it's a great thing for those, you know, who speak one language to learn another. And if they have an accent, okay, you know? 
Yeah, like I think accents are more beautiful, you know? I think it's, it, it adds diversity to the conversation. And it shows that we are from different parts of this big world that we are all a part of. And we're all trying but you're to right, people. Yeah, people do get very shocked when someone speaks a different language and is like from one place but speaks another language. There, People are actually genuinely shocked. And I am trying to continue to shock people by learning different languages. I actually have to teach. I teach dance. I teach contemporary ballet in Mexico mm-hmm. City. And I teach in Spanish. But as you know, a lot of ballet terminology is in French. Mm. So I teach them French while speaking Spanish and teaching dance. So there's many vocabularies. So you're like stretching your, your brain. You're stretching your like, because they say when you, when you speak a different language, I've heard it said, right? That when you speak a different language, it's like you're almost tapping into a different personality of you, you know? Yes. And the fact that you're speaking Spanish and then throwing in the French while in that mode, like that's, that's, that must be such a great workout for your mind, for your voice. Cause like when you speak a different language, also it sits differently in your mouth. Claro, okay, see. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, I'm really just. That's the thing that for me, has the potential to become an empire. So I want to master and become fluido in Espanol, Francais, because I want my dance empire to be able to be internationally known. And I want to be able to speak to different people from different worlds and be able to really break through and touch their spirit through dance and, and conversations and choreography. And you don't even need that much knowledge on a language to communicate with someone when it comes to dance, right? Because then once you get the idea down, dance itself is a language, right? And you can communicate even more through that way. Learning French, learning Spanish, learning Italian, whatever else you're going to add to your repertoire, those are just tools. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just tools, but you're right. You don't need a lot of words to be able to break through to someone and dance because dance is its own vocabulary and language. And choreographers are just movement scientists who create their own language and share it with the world. And so I'm just, I'm also creating my own language in dance. I come from generations of dancers. My dance father was one of the students of Alvin Ailey in New York City. And so I come from these of dancers that were but I learned generations of being a dancer to my students in Mexico City which I can honestly say I may be one of the only black teachers choreographers in Mexico City you were, you were breaking up there so I, 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 a little bit but I did get uh, about your your father of dance and 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 just the 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 wealth of experience that's within your 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 your, your in your own life, but then I also heard that you're one of the few black choreographers in Mexico City. You said, 
Yeah, I really, um, I've been doing a lot of research about different schools. You know, this is a city of 24 million. And so I haven't really, other than maybe a guest here and there that comes into the city, I think I may be one of the only contemporary ballet choreographers that is of African-American descent in the city, which is interesting. I'm excited to bring that diversity, but it's just very interesting to me. Um, And how's that experience been for you? I think it's rich because I am a multidisciplinary dancer. I'm a ballet dancer first and foremost. And then I'm a contemporary dancer after that, deeply rooted in contemporary dance. And I'm also a voguer. And so I vogue and do hip hop as well. And those are all my vocations. Like I would never put one over the other, though I do think that ballet and contemporary ballet have always been my focus since I was a 10 year old little boy. So, um i'm excited to bring these different styles to mexico city because i know for a fact that they aren't being taught outside of the one or two dance schools that are here Mm -hmm. which is so interesting such a huge market like even after only a couple weeks of teaching in polanco i have so many students because people want this they're like yes and so I'm starting a dance company. What's the what's the name of the company? You know, I've really been thinking about that a lot. I I'm inspired by um, all these choreographers like Ohad Nahiran, who has Bat Shiva and Alvin Ailey Contemporary Dance. There's Jose Limon. All the great choreographers normally name their companies after themselves, and mm-hmm. I just don't think that I have that capacity. Like I wanted to be like a little bit more. Uh, like after I'm gone one day, I would like for it to be taken over by one of my dance sons and it'd be like that other name. I don't think mm. I can name it after myself. I don't think I'm that vain. Ah. So Edwards and Dancer. Like that that doesn't even roll off the tongue to me. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to figure that out soon. That's so rad that you have that you can have that kind of uh, mentality about it because because you 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 have it seems like you have such a great balance when it comes to the ego where you know yourself well enough to know where your strengths are and that you know that you can create this empire right this dance empire you use that word you know and that's such a strong impactful word uh yet we have here on the other side you're talking about like i can't name it after me like it just doesn't feel right i want it to be something beyond me after me uh yeah God, you, such a little you're such a spirit man you're such a star spirit dude here in this world here to change things man i just love it so so where did if i may take it back ballet ballet started you said ballet was number one for you yes yes ballet is number one that is where i started i started dancing when i was 10 years old i'm now 30 years old 30 años And I will never forget, my best friend came up to me in school, Dominique, and he said, I found it. He's like, I figured it out. I know what it is. And he took me that day to his dance studio where he had started dancing and we took a ballet class after that. I didn't even want to go inside the class. I was so nervous. Like the young Jamaican boy in me was like, I can't be doing ballet. You know, there's all these like preconceived notions about like 
sexuality and like career and stuff that as a 10 year old, I already was like, there's no way that I can do this. But then, you know, I'll never forget my now dance father, Freddie DeJesus came outside and opened the door and was like, are you here for class? And I was like, <laughs> like, so New York, like super New York. I was like, are you here for class? Because I'm about to start class. And Dominique told me you were outside waiting to come in for class. So if you're coming, put these pants on, put these socks on and come get in my class. And I was like shocked because he was like, <gasps> he was just like, get your ass in class pretty much. But like to like a kid. And I was like, all right, after that class, I danced every day for at least eight years, like every day. Like I was taking a class every day at his studio and I was like working on things on the weekends with my friends, like choreography and like, there was nothing, there was, there. I found my vocation. I found my voice in life after that mm. day. And if you wouldn't have came outside and told me to come inside to take that <laughs> class, I wouldn't be the professional dancer that I am today. It is crazy to me like I talk to him all the time like I'm following in his footsteps so hard right now and yeah I've been doing ballet since I was 10 but also contemporary ballet as well so you got obsessed I think that's the word to use you got obsessed I was yes like it's weird even after the first class like I felt my foot tondu I felt my foot Mm -hmm. punto and I mm-hmm. was like, whoa, like, I can do this. And then there was all these beautiful dancers around me who inspired me, wanted to be as good as. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is actually my life. This is actually what I want to do as a professional. And then he took me to see the Nutcracker, like, I think, like, two months after that, he took me to see the Nutcracker, and he was the star in a huge theater in my hometown, which is actually the first theater I ever performed in, he was like the star. He was the Nutcracker Prince. He was the Snow King. It was a huge company. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Mind you, one year later, I was on that stage with him, dancing with him. And it's just, there's nothing, there's nothing that, could ever take these memories away from me of like how I became the dancer that I became. Wow. Wow. And you had your fame moment, like so New York, he just busted out saying, are you here for class? Right. Oh yes. Dominique said you were here for class and uh, are you coming in here? Take this, put it on. Let's go. Yeah, literally he gave me clothes like all the time, dance clothes. Like, for years, he would just give me like tights and dance belts, like mm. socks, ballet shoes, because he had a huge closet of dancewear because, you know, he danced for all the biggest dance companies in the world. Mm. So he had like everything. And so he would give me all the socks and shoes and dance belts and tights and ballet shirts from Jacob Pillow and Ailey and Bruce, you know, Wood, and, like Donald Byrd. It was just like... And so, yeah, he was very, very New Yorkian, Puerto Rican, like, all right, get in class. We ain't got time for this. Like, the generosity of that man, too. And I didn't pay for classes. What? Yes, there was a thing with the company in my hometown, which is actually an internationally known company, to where little boys, because they needed more boys in dance, 
they gave them a full scholarship. All I had to do was clean the studios like it was fame in the 80s. Holy like shit, I had you were having your fame moment. I had my fame moment because he went to the fame high school. He went to that school. No, he, really, he did not. No, I'm telling you, he went to Sunny Purchase. He was a fame student kid. Like, he was... Like, you know that show um, Pose on FX or whatever? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. One from, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, he really was that person. He was the person who, like, went to that school, went to Ailey, had his, like, folk father who was like, you're a dancer. Go dance. Like, go do this. He really... Like, I'm telling you, I come from generations of reality of being a male dancer, vulgar, like, contemporary artist. Like, it's generations. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, thank you for bringing it up. Voguing. Your your experience. Yeah. Your experience. I have, a, I have a friend who posts. She's in the voguing world herself, and she posts all uh-huh. the time, her competing and stuff. But tell me your experience with voguing. I only know because of Madonna. But tell me, yes. he, did he get you into voguing as well? He totally got me into voguing. So he's an extravaganza. And he grew up in the House of Extravaganza, which, as you know, the House of Extravaganza were those dancers for Madonna. He was in those rooms, you know, growing up. What? That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't understand. Like, it's like really rich, rich, rich history for me. So I'll never forget when I was a teenager. I think I was like 16 or 17. I did my first summer program in Connecticut. He took me to New York after that. I went to the piers where voguing started, you know, where before there there was some ballroom. Yeah, the Christopher Street piers, you know, in New York City. Please fill me in. I'm not. I don't know. I don't know the because I know Vogue has a rich history in itself, and I don't know much of it. So please let me know. Okay, so pretty much like he grew up on the piers, Christopher Street piers, you know, in the village and everywhere, voguing in the streets. Like they would vogue, express themselves. They would vogue as a community, as a house, and you know, Madonna found these people by coming to class, by being over there in the peers. And he was too young to do that with them, with his father. Because, you know, one of his fathers is Jose, who was one of the great vogers of Madonna's past for the Like a Virgin tour and everything. And he was just in those rooms. And like I remember being a teenager, 16, 17, 18, and him taking me to New York. I met the whole house. I learned how to vogue in the streets, taking class. He would do his performances in Spanish Harlem, and he would teach us how to vogue. He would take us to classes. And I learned from, in New York City, like where the deepest, deepest roots of vogue come from. So I recently had a few performances in Mexico City um, with a voguer who is from Spain, and I'm super excited to share my knowledge of the past that of that I know of a Vogue with my students in Mexico City because I'm going to start a Vogue class. God, that's so rad. Yeah, super cool. So is Vogue is Vogue still because Voguing got mainstream with Madonna's song and then and then then it became like this pop thing with the song. But when it comes to Voguing, is it still underground? Does it still have that underground aspect where it's like a club, a family? <laughs> That is a great freaking question. That was a great question. So 
I just, I'm going to just put this out here. Um, all your fans can uh, really, I want them to really hear this perspective because it's rich. Okay, so I told you I come from generations of vogers and generations of contemporary dancers. Like, this is my vocation. This is my family's vocation. So about, I think it was like three or four years ago that show Pose was made. Mm -hmm. Before this show Pose was made, ballroom was still underground. It is known to have transcended to every country in the world. Willie Ninja, Jose Extravaganza, Madonna, they brought it to different cities back in the 80s and 90s. But it was still pretty underground. Even in those cities, it was still an underground family thing. They're like, houses like the extravaganzas the milans the mizrahis the you know uh revlons there's all these houses but they were still pretty underground you know in new york they still have balls in the basement of churches what? you know like so yes rad. <laughs> it's super rad but that show pose i remember watching it with my fathers with my house and i cried every episode because they exposed my reality to the mainstream world mm. and for me I can say as a young person in our world, my father loved it. You know, he was a part of it. He was there, you know. So watching it, I was like, yay, they have real people a part of it. Great. But for me, they exposed my truth. Mm -hmm. And that to me was like hard for me because now, to be completely honest with you, mm -hmm. it is another thing that I feel white people have appropriated from our, our culture. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a very, like, I haven't completely healed from all the trauma of being black and poor and a dancer. And so for me, it's still hard to know that, like, this thing that was, like, our sacred dance, our sacred world is now shared with the mainstream world and now everyone's doing it. So to me, that takes away from the importance of how healing it was for me to have that community that saved my life. And so... Pose made it mainstream. That's great. Everybody got famous and rich who are a part of it. That's awesome. And then they made the show Legendary. So now Legendary is out there. That's been a few years of that. Um, I think it's very interesting that they made Legendary because they made Legendary with a bunch of people who are not actually in the Vogue world. Like there's Laomi. Yes, of course. But then all the other judges were not a part of our actual world. So they made it even more mainstream for the world in a competitive way, kind of like American Idol. And for me, it was just kind of like, okay, wow, now this is nowhere near underground anymore. This is so above ground to where it's like the highest rated TV show on television, you know? Yeah. But it's like Madonna did one thing, but this show made it even more accessible for the world to know about ballroom culture. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like I liked it better when it was underground and it was like our little secret, our little like healing secret, you know, it's like when indigenous magic becomes mainstream, like peyote or something. Now everybody wants to do peyote and that's fine. That's fine. But I liked when the peyote was sacred and like only your grandmother would give it to you and, it was very, so I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. People can take it or leave it, but that's my perspective on it. Mm. And I still haven't fully accepted the fact that this thing in my life where froze on me a little bit. Did I lose you? I lost you. There you are. I got ah, you back. We're back. 
So yeah, that's the perspective for me. Wow. Um, let's see. Do you did you feel as if like was it like the safety of your world was taken away once everyone was let in? You know what? That's exactly how I felt. Because now there's like all these people who want it's like you know what it's like you know this is the best way for me to describe it this is the best way for me to describe it before these tv shows people thought what we did as bogers and dancers was ghetto like our hair braids were made to show slaves which route they needed to go to get to their freedom it was a deeply rich part of our culture Wait, wait, okay. wait, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa. I did not know that. Go back. Wait, what were braids originally? Okay, so braids, you know how there's like cornrows? Mm-hmm. The, like that's been in African culture forever. But as African-Americans, they made braids to be like roots to show which way to get to their freedom. So they would put it in their hair. So it's like so sacred to us. And I don't know if you know, but in in, North, in the United States, because Mexico is America, everyone. Mm-hmm. In the United States... Um, <laughs> People forget, in the man. States, it was so taboo for anyone who wasn't African-American to have braids. And actually, in the corporate world, they wouldn't hire you if you had braids mm-hmm. or any kind of hairstyle of this sort until it became popular by people like Madonna, you know? Mm-hmm. And then now that they have it, now that it, now it's okay. You see, I feel the same way about Vogue. Before, it was like ghetto. It was not okay. Like, people didn't want that in their dance studios. People didn't want that around. But mm-hmm. now that it's become mainstream, everybody wants it. And I'm just like, really? Like, now it's okay now that white people have it? Because when it was just our culture, it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard conversation to have. Like, most people... Even like my elders in this world are like, come on, be more open. Like, it's okay. Now it's like accepted. And I'm like, what I can't handle. I'm not a radical, but I am an intellectual. And what I can't handle is when something is only deemed okay when a certain group of people have it. Yeah. That to me isn't okay. And I will continue to fight for that to be understood by all. But even in our world, people are like, come on. Like, it's 2022. Like, I'm like, yeah, but in 20, it was still wrong. It was still wrong to be that. That was like for the streets. That was for the hood. But now that it's popular and now this wants it, it's okay. It'd be one thing if, if nothing was said before it became popular. If like no one criticized voguing or how you, like how I hear you saying a ballroom culture and is that what it is? Ballroom? That's ballroom culture, yeah. So if, if they weren't saying anything negative about ballroom culture, like that it's ghetto, or if they weren't denying people jobs because of the braids they wear, you know, like if if that wasn't happening, then okay, then they accept it. But you, like you're just bringing – you want to bring validity to the fact that there was so much uh, pushback, so much uh, – not even condescending that's not even a strong enough word but yeah Yeah. just to be like i can't get this job because of my hair but like a couple years later 
Becky has Back it, and that's okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Louis Vuitton said it's okay, so now that is okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah, you're right. You're right, man. It, it was it's pushback. It was pushback. I think it's the pushback that I felt my whole life because I am the last generation of queer like dancer vogue people who literally felt the discrimination of the world on their craft. Mm. Like even in the ballet world, it's only becoming the Calvin Royales and the and the um and the Anthony Savoy's and all these dancers are just now guesting with these great ballet dance companies. Before we were only in the black ballet companies. Mm. You, you see what I mean? Like it wasn't as diversified of a world even five years ago. This world was not diversified. It's only a recent conversation. Yeah, we live in a weird world, man. Have you been hearing about uh probably not yeah, like, not in Mexico, but have you been hearing we about have, people appropriating like uh appropriating foods, like food like Latino food? Do I got you? Okay. See. Bringing like the agua fresca and stuff, being called spa waters. It's like everyone wants to make money. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's always the main uh the main influence, the main motivation just to make money, sadly. Did I lose you again? There you are. How do you, how do you feel about that appropriation of Latin food? I mean, it's, I'd rather hear, cause like when I hear people talking about like agua fresca is being called, uh, being called spa waters or like when people are calling ceviche cowboy caviar, it's like, I mean, that hap that even happens in Central America though. Cause like, let's take the tamal, for example, like tamales, right? Tamales are different from Mexico all the way down to like Central America down. I don't even, maybe even in South America, they make tamales. I'm not even aware, but tamales are so different depending on where you're from. And you can call that appropriation or that's just, you know, culturally, you know, diversifying. So there's no problem with, mm -hmm. like, I have no problem with like people being like, Oh, I like our frescas now, but when they call it spa waters, when they call it cowboy caviar, I'm like, can you try to just say ceviche? Like, yeah, it's not that hard. Like, it's really not that hard. Like it's not even in Spanish. Like just ceviche, you know, spa water. I haven't even heard that one. That is, I am TikTok. Whoa. TikTok is like whoa. upset about that, dude. Hearing people being like, "Oh, I'm making some rice spa water. I have some pineapple and strawberry spa water." <laughs> yeah, TikTok is really TikTok has been a force. It's almost like a bigger force than Instagram, which is so shocking because it went Facebook and then Instagram and then TikTok is really, wow. Technology has really changed the face of the world. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, God, yes. Like, And we, our generation was able to see, like you just said, from Facebook. Let's take it further from like MySpace, from Zanga, you know, from MySpace to Facebook to Instagram to TikTok. It it, it feels like the monster just keeps getting bigger and bigger. No, yeah, Claro. Like it keeps it keeps eating itself. I watched this thing about the tech world, and it's like 
they really it's like now all the tech people who created the Google format and all of these social medias like Facebook, they're actually trying to like, they're like, they realized that they created a monster and now they're trying to actually like help the world like not be so taken over by this monster. There's like some crazy documentaries about the tech world and all these things that I've seen recently. And I'm just like, whoa, like I'm so thankful that I'm not addicted to technology. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the influence technology can have on you, you have to be aware of that. Like, you have to be aware of the algorithm playing you. Yes. Or not even the algorithm playing you. We need to take more accountability. We need to find, we have to be aware of how we play ourselves with the algorithm. That's the one. That's the one right there. Yeah. Because that's what it is. It's a reflection of what you want. The algorithm is just taking note at what you're looking at. It's just taking note at what you're lingering on, what you're liking and whatnot. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Of course. And you know what? We actually are obsessed with scrolling. Mm, mm. Because that's one thing I can say we all can collectively agree on is that we are all obsessed with scrolling. It's not just one person like, we like I've been finding myself the last few days because I'm in Mexico and I have an amazing boyfriend and I it's the first city where I really haven't found like my people. I'm just like very like I'm kind of solo here a lot outside of my relationship, which is OK. I don't care. But I find that like when I'm in moments where I'm not dancing or stretching or modeling or or do. I want to scroll. Because I'm just like, oh, what are my friends doing over here? Oh, what are these people doing over here? And it's like, I should just be able to be at peace. Or because scrolling doesn't bring a peace to me. It brings a It's like it, there's no peace for you. It's just like this constant, just slow drip of dopamine. You know, just getting that fixed. Just getting that fix. You know, like I feel like it's you because it's only been eight months. You said right in Mexico for you, right? Yeah, yeah, eight months. As you're as you're being because you know you again you're modeling, you're dancing, you're teaching. You know you can't really. Oh, is it recording? Starting recording. Time out. Oh, Lorenzo, you're recording the call. <laughs> there. You I was go. like, oh, I want a piece of this too. I was like, oh, throw me a piece of it. Do it. Do it, Thank man. You. Um, but I mean, it, I feel like you might have a gift. Right. Being alone for a li- like for a little while as you're doing this. Right. Because, I mean, the pandemic forced us to be alone and some people couldn't deal with that, man. They couldn't deal with being alone with their thoughts. They needed to yeah. scroll. They needed to distract themselves. Yeah, What's I agree. That? I agree. You know what? The pandemic taught me so much about myself. Mm. Like it taught me so much about myself. Actually, after the official pandemic on June 15th um, of this of a year ago, when the actual pandemic ended in L.A., I actually moved away. I actually was like, you know what? I think it's time for me to see the entire world. So I traveled the world, worked with some photographers, took some classes, guested with some companies. And I really feel like I found myself after that because I was okay with the silence. I was okay with the peace. I was okay with just being with my plants. And then I felt a need to be the nomad that I was and to go and find 
a deeper, richer, and different culture for myself, which ultimately after being in Spain and France, I found in Mexico. And I'm really happy about that because even now I'm still exploring what it means to be just me and to be okay with my thoughts and okay with like peace and not being so uh, keeping up with the Joneses, as they say. Ooh, yeah. I heard somewhere. I heard somewhere that that idea is dying nowadays. People are just keeping up with the Joneses is such a um, not even just impossible thing to to achieve because you can't achieve it. Sure, but it's are you happy? Is it truly right. bringing you that satisfaction you're craving, or is it just? filling a hole that can never be truly filled. Right. I agree. I don't know if it's just filling a hole or, yeah, I don't know, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really done with that. And I think when that, that desire shifted in my life, mm -hmm. I feel as if I was able to truly express myself in a way that was from a place of freedom. Mm, I love that. It took a while. That took time. I understand why people who are older than me always told me that my 30s would be a time of freedom and more fun because I turned 30 last year and I feel like ever since then, my whole life has shifted and I've actually been enjoying life. Oh, that's wonderful. Is, and do you think it's because, because of the... Let me paint, let me paint a picture. From when you were 10-year-old Lorenzo starting ballet, you were a caterpillar. And then, yeah. you hit, and then you hit your 20s, and that was your cocoon phase, if you will. That was you yeah. putting in the work, whether that's internally, you know, the, the struggles we all have, right? Your ups, your downs, your 20s. And then here mm -hmm. you are in your 30s, and it seems like you just – and do you – those those flowers on your shirt look like butterflies, but it, but you look like a butterfly, you know, it seems like you're in your butterfly phase. You've been in it. You know, you, you, you're you spreading your wings, that freedom you're talking about. Yes. Yes. You know, that was a great way to put it. I actually do feel like I finally had the wings to fly to different spaces and different lands mm -hmm. and just really be a bird, be a butterfly. I think you're right, actually. I do feel more like I'm in my butterfly phase than ever right now. And the butterfly phase is crazy because right now I feel like I finally have the capacity because, you know, for so much of my life in my tens and twenties, I was amused to these choreographers and to these photographers mm. and to these opera directors and all of these creatives. I was their muse. Like I shifted into a space of teaching and being more of the painter versus the muse and being more of the the, the, the giver versus just receiving this information and being a channel for it. Mm -hmm. I'm still that channel, but something that I didn't have the capacity to do before. I didn't have the capacity to create an empire in this way or to build the building. I was just going to different buildings and enjoying yeah. the the amenities. Now I'm building my own building, my own home. Oh, I love that. I love mm -hmm. that. Took time. Oh, man. 
I love that. Yeah, because it's yeah. Again, you have this great self awareness. You know, again that that balance of the ego where you you know who you are, but you're not overcome with who you are, or you're not the idea of who you think you are doesn't you know it, you you as a person you you know because we are everyone's nuanced. You know, people aren't black and white. You know. Yeah. So many times you hear older generations, not all, but some older generations say like, I am how I am and I don't change. You know what I mean? And it's like, wait, really? I know you're 50. I know you're 60. I know you're 70, whatever yeah. your age is. But you're telling me that the person you are now is the same person you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. That to me right. seems, seems a little sad. I agree. I agree. I agree. But, you know, one thing that I connect with when you say that is that maybe they're talking about their MO, their mode of operations. It's like since I was 10, I've always been a dancer. I've always been a model. I've always been someone who was an artist creating. So maybe they're talking about how they've been artists for so long. They're just like, yeah, I'm still an artist. Like writers, like writers, writers like, yeah, I'm writing a new book, but I'm still a loner writing in this space. And I guess they can't see the way that we can see the expansion of the soul and mind through creation. Mm. So they think that they're the same in reality. They've gone through so many cycles and they've actually changed every year. Even if they're doing the same things, they're different people now. Mm-hmm. 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 So I get what you mean. It's sad. It's sad. But yeah. they don't see it. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, what we do is so important, right? It, 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 a lot of the times identi we identify with what we do, but then there's also, again, just those nuances, right? Those, 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 those grays in between when it comes to our personalities, right? Those yeah. imperfections, those flaws, those cracks. And, uh, and damn, dude, you're just like this beautiful mosaic painting, bro, of just oh, all your experiences. Yeah. Uh, Oh man. And I love the, the imagery you used of, of you being the muse for all, like for the directors, for model, for, you know, for photographers. And now you see that you've, you've, you've evolved. You, you've, your next step, if anything, because you still can be a muse, right? You still can be that, that model. You can still perform and be that dancer for, for a director, a photographer. Sure. But sure. to have the ability. To mm -hmm. not just be like the brush or be the paint someone uses, but now you are the painter, and yeah, you and you you kind of have to step back too as the painter and be and let the colors let you let your muses those who inspire you let them shine and let the and let them exactly. highlight the work. Exactly, that's exactly what it's about now. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you a lot. Um, how have you been? How have I been? Uh, shit. Well, fuck. Let me see. Uh, how have I been? Um, since May, I I stopped doing my OG job. I was doing contact tracing. Uh huh. Dude, I was helping out with the pandemic, helping folks out, you know, folks who needed right. food, you know, or needed medical supplies or seeing a doctor right. appointment or whatever. An angel. Uh, it was, it was, dude, it was a crazy job. It was supposed to be a three month contract, ended up being like a over tw a year contract. 
over a year. And to be during the pandemic, that was a blessing. You know what I mean? That was definitely a blessing to have a, a remote job that was full time. Like I couldn't, I was working at Disneyland prior to that. I remember. So that was, and I had to stop doing that because of the pandemic. And then there was a chance for me to go back to Disneyland and perform, but it was in a weird place for me where I was still doing my contact tracing job. And then they offered me Disneyland and I thought, do I want to stretch myself out thin? Do I want to let go of this job or like, or Cause even Disneyland was iffy at that point, you know, it yeah. was iffy. Like, and I, I was like, you know what? I think the better choice for me is to stay with the contact tracing job, work yes. on myself as a person, my voice, you know, my body as an actor and see where life takes me. And then this year came around, 2022 came around and I got myself my commercial agent. I'm focusing yes. more on that. You nice. Know? I'm, de- yes. I'm, I'm trying to develop myself into a brand, if you will, to have that yes. confidence in myself. Totally, dude. Same. Yeah, it's it's a journey, right? It's a journey. It's not just it's not just an overnight thing that's gonna be fixed and oh now I'm better. No, it's a journey. Yeah, uh, it's a journey. Life is a discovery, man. Like, if there's anything I've discovered, life is a discovery. Mm-hmm. I love that. Life is a discovery. To be discovered. To be discovered. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 that's kind of what I've been honestly going off with that 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 curiosity to discover yeah you know because okay, yeah. so this podcast alone began as cheap therapy for me honestly two years ago yeah. it was just me with a microphone no guests i did about 42 episodes no guests it was just me uh-huh. just talking you know my my thoughts my feelings whatever sometimes i'd cry sometimes i'd be angry i'd laugh whatever you know it was just me using oh. it for me yeah and now I started having guests on, you know, some friends like yourself or and some uh, who are strangers that I found on social media who I'm yeah. like, wow, I love your art. Would you like to be a guest? And and I'm telling you right now, man, I, I feel like the abundance is real right now. Totally. The abundance is real. And I'm just thankful that you, you created this outlet because it's important for people to be able to share and. I even feel like this was therapeutic for me to be able to connect with you and to catch up and to even to reevaluate like what this life has been, you know, so that I can see it objectively and then move forward with intention. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad you got this from, from the show. I'm so yeah. uh, good. Right. Question. How are you with time? I have a few more minutes. Um, I have something at 11. Oh, perfect. Um, okay. So my time is 10.50. I'm so sorry, but thank you so much. 10.50, 11. So perfect timing then. I'm going to use this time to now get to my favorite segment of the show where uh-huh. I'm at. So I, I'm going to keep it quick. I usually have a huge like intro for it, but I don't uh-huh. want to take up your time. Uh, so th- I'm going to ask you 10 questions. These are from inside uh-huh. the actor's studio. Nothing oh, to... Nice. Uh, do, do you know the show? Of course I do. Uh, yay. So these are the 10 questions asked at the end of every interview. Uh, questions that I've always, I've always described as deceptively simple. Yes. So let's get to it. I can't wait. Uh, are you ready, Lorenzo? I am ready. All right. First question is, what is your favorite word? Whoa. 
My favorite word. My favorite word is probably magic. Mm. Because it, it expresses something that is almost unbound by words and transcend words. It's normally something that lives on many levels. It's spiritual, it's emotional, it's physical. Magic can be anything, everything, and nothing all at the same time. So it's like life is magic. So probably magic. Hmm. Beautiful. Next question. Yes. What is your least favorite word? My least favorite word... Wow, deep. Um, my least favorite word would probably be evil mm. because it is always something that is harmful and painful for others. It exists. It has to exist in order for good to exist, but it is something that brings pain and it's normally a choice. So I'm going to go with evil of all sorts and all facets. Thank you. Yeah. Next question. What turns uh -huh. you on? What makes you happy? What turns me on is like a wild sense of fun. Like I love when things are just flowing like this interview and it's just wild and it's fun and it just is natural. I like natural things that are just like going their course. That's what, that's what turns me on, like, for sure. Beautiful. What turns you off? What makes you unhappy? When, when energy is derailed by something. When energy is derailed and it's not flowing in its natural way, um, it really turns me off. And that's with people, places, any kind of environment. If there's just like this abrupt change that's not beautiful and amazing and exciting and it derails us and makes us feel like womp womp then that turns me off for sure right on right on. yeah what sound or noise do you love i like almost i like most sounds and noises i know what i don't like for sure but uh a sound or noise that i like Mm, probably be uh, the sound of birds or the sound of water. I like white noise. I like sound bowls. I like um, I like many sounds. I love the African drums. That's probably my my favorite sound is the African drums for sure. It feels the most like I'm back in this place that mythically I'm told I'm from and it's con deeply connected to my roots and the, my original life. So I love the African drums. Is your next question going to be the sound that I don't like? <laughs> you got me there. What sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> I hate like the nails on the chalkboard sign. I hate the... I, I actually am not a huge fan of whistling mm -hmm. because growing up in certain cultures, especially certain African cultures, when you whistle, you're calling in spirits. 
And so when people whistle sometimes, it gives me this ontological shock that I feel like my childhood, like that there's a period of time in my childhood where I wasn't allowed to not only whistle, but that whistling wasn't allowed in our house because they were like on a certain spiritual journey and they would call spirits in and we just weren't allowed to whistle. So whistling is kind of triggering for me. Whoa. Very interesting. Super, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Next question. What is your favorite curse word? Damn. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say damn, because like damn is like a very universal, like I'm like, I can say damn in like 10 different like tones. Like, damn. damn. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like a whole sentence in a word. So damn is definitely my favorite curse word. Nice. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Whoa. Um, okay, what profession other than my own would I like to attempt? Um, something outside of my world. You know what? Actually, this is easy because I've been secretly attempting it already. I want to be a writer. I want to write an autobiography about my life as a queer man from the States who lives abroad and lived in the major cities of the world. So I'm really trying to attempt to write an amazing autobiography. Very rad. Nice. Yes. A work in progress. Can't wait to hear about it in the future. All right. Yeah. Just give me 10 years and I'm telling you, I'm going to, I'm going to have it done. Okay. Good things take time. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Next question. What job would you not like to attempt? To be honest with you, one job that I personally want to stay away from is assisting people because I personally feel as if assisting is a great job for a lot of people. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking shit about assistance. It's just, I'm such a creatively driven person to where if I wasn't working for like, if I wasn't like a seamstress assistant who's like learned, who's like working their way up to being something else, then it would just be super hard for me to live based on someone else's dream. Mm. Even though I've been amused in my own life and I have to channel other people's dreams, I don't feel like an assistant. I'm a channel. I'm a medium for that. Whereas an assistant is actually listening to what someone says and then doing it. And I'm just like, actually, I think there's someone over there who can do this better than me. Hey, there's some people who are like hella good at organizing who can like get a schedule and fuck it up. And there's some people that can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Like, I'm like, I need help. Like, my boyfriend helps me with my schedule to this day. Like, I'm like, Oh, I have the class down. I got the choreography. He's like, yeah, but what time is this? <laughs> Shit, that's so, yeah, cool. like, totally like it's not me. Like I can't even do it for myself. But he has someone else. So, All right. yeah. And here we go. Final question right before the final hour. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Amazing question. I already know this. I can, I'm like a very uh, naturally spoken person. I just always say what's on my heart. I don't have to 
process things as much. And so when I get to the pearly gates and I meet this God or goddess figure, I would like to, I would like for them to tell me that in every life that I've lived, I made choices that were for the greater good of all and to love people unconditionally and that I did a good job and I did the best that I could. And that is what matters more than being perfect. That's the way to end it. Beautifully answered. Thank you, Lorenzo. Thank you. Now, this is your time. Before you go, I know you have to leave now, but please let the folks know where they can find you, any like websites or like shows to see or anything to check out from you. This is your time. Please take the floor. Okay, so my name is Lorenzo Edwards. Um, I'm in La Ciudad de Mexico, and I have most of my um, sources are through Instagram. You can find me on Instagram. Facebook is more like for family. Um, so my Instagram is my name, Lorenzo Edwards, with three underscores, underscore, underscore, underscore. Um, you can keep up to date with me there. Um, my modeling agency link is on that page. Um, my dance classes are on that page. And I normally share with the world through that outlet. So, yeah. Beautiful. All right. Thank you, Lorenzo. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for this. This was great. It was so good to catch up with you. You're such a beautiful person. And I'm super excited to have you in my life, man. Oh, likewise, bro. Likewise, man. Mi hermano, mi, my spirit, my family. Like you're using that word so many times with like people in your life, like your, 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 your dance family, your dance father and whatnot. And I was getting the, I was getting the hint that this may, you, you might not be referring to like blood family. You know, these are yes. just the family you choose. And you, I'm so thankful to have you in my family, brother. Have a great day, hermano. You too, man. Oh, that's some good stuff. That's my uh, next cup of coffee uh, because I couldn't get more. I couldn't get more. I couldn't. I couldn't get off the chair because I was so glued to Lorenzo Edwards. Not physically. This is, I'm talking about metaphorically, not uh, not literally. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode, y'all. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for being here at the outro. Hey, how you doing? Uh, don't forget, you can find Lorenzo on Instagram. He is Lorenzo, that is L-O-R-E-N-Z-O, Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S, underscore three times. That's a triple underscore at the end. And you can find, that's that's pretty much where he, where you can find out what he's up to. Uh, see all his uh, modeling, all his dancing, and and all that good stuff. Uh, and uh, you can also find my, you know, Stephen Brown Cortez, me, this guy right here. Go Google that. Google it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm posting some uh, YouTube videos now for the Why the F Not podcast, compilations and whatnot. Uh, it's a good time making TikTok reels and making, I mean, Instagram reels and TikTok videos. Uh, doing what we can here at the Why the F Not podcast. So when I say we, it's me. Uh, and, oh, most importantly, don't forget, you're enough. You're more than enough. It's crazy how enough you are. Okay. Bye.